0: Welcome. Maruchim Habaim.
1: Welcome to Awakening Torah Musar Mindfulness. This week being Awakening Haazinu, the second to last Parsha Torah portion in the book of Dvarim, Deuteronomy, and the last of the five books of Moshe of Moses. Welcome. You are joining us live streaming or on Zoom for our weakening our awakening series of the Institute for Holiness. I'm delighted that you have joined us taking time to practice, to learn together and take refuge in community. I am the leader, the founder and director of the Institute for Holiness, Rabbi Hasia Uriel Steinbauer. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Today is Tuesday, October 11th at 7.30 p.m. Israeli time. We normally meet on Sundays at 12.30 Eastern Standard Time, 9.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7.30 p.m. Israeli time. We didn't meet this past Sunday because we entered the festival of Sukkot, and we do not meet on the Chagim, on the festivals, or on Shabbat. So, we're meeting today on Tuesday to make up for what we missed on Yom Rishon on Sunday. So, we are covering the Torah portion that happened last Shabbat, Ha'azinu. Next Shabbat, Bezrat Hashem, will be uh, Zot HaBracha, the final Torah portion for this whole year, which I can't believe. And we will meet on Sunday, Bezrat Hashem, God willing. Uh, to to cover that and go over it i have to check the calendar just to make sure it's not another hug because <laughs> as you know it's hug after hug after hug actually it is a hug okay we will not be meeting on sunday october 16th unless let's see here actually I'm, i'm proud and happy to say that i will be abroad in a different time zone and that we can meet We won't be meeting, uh, we'll be meeting at uh, the same time, but during the day. So for me, instead of being at 7.30 p.m. here, uh, we are going to go ahead and um, meet at 12.30 Eastern Standard Time. I will be in the Eastern Standard Time in the United States. So I'm happy to say we can meet next Sunday. Thank God. Enough of the logistics. (laughs) Delighted to have you. So I am so proud to say that this past Shabbat was our 54th sitting together, which is amazing. We've gone a whole cycle together. The last one will be 55 sittings together covering the whole Torah together, uh, the weekly Torah portions. And that's something for all of us to be proud of, to know that we've really delved into this tradition and uh, learned from our ancestors and each other. So I'm, I'm deeply grateful and want to share that gratitude with you. This today's sitting, I'm deeply honored to say I need to uh, find the name. So I'm going to look it up before the end of this cycle. But it is sponsored by one of our members of the Institute for Holiness, Susan Matsu. Bezrat Hashem, I said your name uh, last name correctly. Please correct me if I'm wrong. And it is in loving memory of her father. May his memory be for a blessing. So we're dedicating this teaching today in his loving memory, um, which I think uh, you'll appreciate Susan very much. Um, I do want to say his name. I just have to find the the email and the notification, which uh, I might have to do a a little bit later. And so... What do I want to say about today? So we said it's a, our 54th sitting. We always move into our kavanot, our intention for today's sitting, which is the same every week, because we see this sharing and this practice together as a radical act of self care, of communal care and our relationship with God. So we say this is the first one at the top here. If you have uh, eyesight or uh, on honest video visual. If not, you can hear on audio that this is something we are doing to strengthen our own souls in order to be a benefit to others in the future. And this is also something we're doing for acts of others, because this is something we're doing to strengthen our relationship to others and our ability to be in relationship in a very balanced, positive way of be of service so that we can be a better conduit of God's good to others when they need us. And finally, we're doing this to strengthen our relationship with the divine, however we define that relationship. This is something we are doing to strengthen our relationship with the creator. I'm reading the third one so that I can be a better conduit of God's good to others when they need me. So we may we merit that today in loving memory of Susan's father. I'm going to stop sharing screen for those of you who are watching. Let's move into a brief summary, why I also looked for uh, this name here. So Hazinu. Hazinu is a shira. It is a poem, poem or a song, <laughs> depending on how you see it, depending, you know, if you were 4,000, 3,000 years ago with our ancestors and how they I- I encountered it, interpreted it. But it has features of parallelism and metaphor and... Just beautiful, beautiful writing. You know, Hashem, God, the divine is compared to a nesher, an eagle uh, caring for its young. Um, there's some beautiful imagery here. And this this Shira, this uh, poem, this song tells a story where God finds B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, our ancestors in wild lands and cares for their needs with kindness and affection. But as usual, there's always a but right, in these stories because the Torah always reflects a very human story. And in all of our lives, if anything, we've learned this past Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is that there's a but and there's also an and and the ability to do teshuva, to turn, to return. So the but in this story is B'nai Israel actually forget about God, will forget about God. It's kind of telling what will come of them our answer is once they enter the land, okay? The land of Israel, the land of Canaan So they will forbid, forget about God and they'll worship idols, okay? That's what we're told that that will happen. And then we're told that God will punish them with, with horrible acts, famine, plague, beasts, war, you name it. And that God will also punish their enemies and and in the end ultimately save Bene Israel, the children of Israel. And that the Torah is seen as the life force of our ancestors. Okay. And then at the end, Moshe is told, our beloved prophet and ancestor is told to go to the top of Har Nevo to uh, take a look at the beautiful land, the land he won't enter before he dies. Yeah, it's very interesting because then we kind of think, what 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 is it that we will look at? Uh, just taking a look here. Um, okay, so that's a summary. But what do I really want to share with you? What's what's important here? We're going to focus on two things. We're going to focus on what we are told will be the cause of Ben Israel forgetting God. Could you imagine forgetting God? Maybe you can. Maybe in your own life you have forgotten
0: God, whatever God means to you. So I want you to tap into that. I want you to remember and recall, when did I forget God?
1: Right? When, when, and maybe when I when have I? Like maybe it's a it's a regular occurrence. There's a like a little forgetfulness in the sense of, am I awake? Am I awake? to not only my, to God, my relationship with God, and what God's good. Am I awake awake to the good around me, right? That God has bestowed. Many different elements here, right? So we are told that Israel will become, basically, the the terminology is used, it's quite graphic, that B'nai Israel will um, become fat, I believe the language is used. Yes, it's a, Vayishem no, is it yes. Vayishem Yeshurun, Vayiv at. Okay, it is told that Yeshurun, another name for Israel, right, will grow, will grow fat, or, and and will rebel essentially. And of course, it's you know it's used with this uh, conversive vav, so is it that they grew fat and rebelled? But they haven't done that yet, okay? But this is the story, and so. Um, What's so interesting about that is this, what I really wanna look at is like, when does B'nai, when will B'nai Israel either forget about God or not listen to God, not follow God's rules, will rebel? So if we look back when our ancestors were enslaved in Egypt, taken out of the institution of slavery with God's grace, God's strong hands, and there was lots of tension, you will recall. First of all, they didn't trust God. Understandable completely, right? They didn't trust or believe in the miracles or think that they would be maintained. They didn't trust that there would always be food and water and they were hungry and they were scared. That's so if you want to look at the hindrances, there was a lot of um aversion to new situations, aversion to a lack of water who wouldn't, aversion to a lack of food who wouldn't, um an attachment, attachment to a certain at least comfort in the in the face of slavery and trauma that they would know what to expect day to day and that there would still be enough food in their bellies, enough water to do the slave labor, okay? So this is the tension that they entered the relationship with God in the, in the desert. And so when there was conflict with God, it was very much based on, who they were and where they were coming from, okay, and then based on fear and having to build over time that that trust, that uh, faith, that um, follow through, um, that basically led them to a, a really have this trusted relationship, right? But it was always coming from a sense that there's there's never enough, and there wasn't going to be enough, right? Uh, whether it was God's miracles or the relationship with God or food or water. okay. so we have this extreme over here, right? Our ancestors at the beginning of the 40 years. And now we're over here at the end of the 40 year cycle when they're about to enter the land, cross the Yarden, the Jordan River and uh, and Hazinu. And now we're told that they're going to grow fat and they're going to rebel. And it's not even a conscious rebel. It's they grow fat and they grow comfortable. They forget about God. It's almost like they attribute it to their own hand or they turn to other idols to, to give thanks. So it, I'm not sure how much it's a, um, a mindful rebellion, meaning I'm going to choose to not worship Hashem, God, the God of Israel, um, instead, I think who really uh, supports me and takes care of me is this idol over here. That I don't think that's what's happening. Instead, uh, what I think you're really getting is, um, uh, this sense and maybe you've had this experience in life where, things are going so well for you, um, you have more than you need. and you begin to take that for granted. You begin to attribute the source of all your goodness to either your own hand or to some other source besides the divine. And um, it's that kind of amnesia. It's that kind of uh, privileged amnesia that can happen. So we have these two extremes. We have slaves coming out of slavery who are like, ah, all right. <laughs> And and that's the source of uh, conflict in the relationship with uh, the divine. And then we have over here, our ancestors, right? right? Where our ancestors just too much, they would be too too much taking for granted in the sense of, again, the metaphor and the imagery of this, there's almost this animal growing fat, right? And um, so th- this just shows you, that it's not one act or even one hindrance or one occasion in one's life that can lead one to go off the path. It can be the depravity and the fear and the reactions to trauma of slavery or some other collective or intergenerational trauma. It can also be a great privilege and comfort and uh, in the sense of falling asleep in that sense so um i i want us to be aware that we too as individuals as ancestors uh coming from our wonderful uh, children of israel b'nai israel really can see ourselves anywhere in this continuum too where we're feeling deprived, and it's not enough. And there's going to be this conflict here and a lack of trust. And so therefore, that's going to be the source, uh, whether it's aversion or attachment. And then over here, it's it's almost like sloth and torpor. (laughs) It's like, I work really hard for my land, and I am the one that caused all this. And therefore, I'm going to have sloth and torpor when it comes to Attributing it to who is the correct source of all, who provided the land, who provides the rain, who enables all of us to have another day. So um, what's important for us in today's practice and from this Torah portion is really if we could take a step onto chapter 32, Pasuk 7, which means verse 7, just need to get to it also myself. Uh, where is it? What did I want to share with you? Make sure that it's 32 7. Is it over here? Oh, yes, 32 7. So it says here. Okay, ask your father, and he will tell you. And your elders, they, meaning ask your elders, and your elders, and they will tell you, they will speak to you, they will say to you. And what is this pasuk about? This pasuk is about, it's quite beautiful, actually. It's the first time in the Torah we're being told not only to uh, turn to your father and ask your father, but turn to your ancestors, turn to your Zikinim, your elders. That they are going
0: to share in your knowledge, in your practice of being on this path. They're
1: going to be able to strengthen you. They're going to be able to inform you. They're going to have that certain history and interpretation and maybe even live experiential education to be able to have the insight into the Torah into the Dharma in a way that we can't yet. We're not privileged to it. It's based on life experience and age and uh, other social location uh, reasons, okay? So that's what we're going to start with today. But really what's so beautiful about this is something really ex- extra powerful. It's uh, that asking questions and staying connected to our parents and to our zekinim, our elders, that and obviously teachers. These are our teachers who came before us, and that we are able to basically apply who they are and their experiences to the uh, the tradition in our own time. And listening to our teachers, these elders and our parents and grandparents and great grandparents, they can actually link us all the way back to the Torah. Similarly, can link us all the way back to the Buddha and the Dharma. Okay, It's very shared communal uh, responsibility and tradition. Quite beautiful. So it's really an extension of listening to God directly. It's like you get to experience God through listening to our teachers, our elders, our parents. And the light of God, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of God is there and it's in the teaching. It's quite beautiful. OK, it's a chain going on here. Share it that is being passed on to us. Um, so with that in mind. Eh, two and three, let's move to pasuk chapter 32, verse 47. All right. So it says here ke lo dvar raik hu mikem ki hu hayesam uv devar a raikhu yamim al ha'adama asher tem overim et hayadan shama ve yish yir ve rishta okay so for this thing right this thing we're not told exactly what it is right lo dvar right right lo dvar raik this thing is not empty. Rake is empty. It gets translated as trifling and other things, meaning little, right? It's not empty. From you, Mikem. Okay, it gets translated in the English by many texts as for you. meaning it's not an empty thing for you. But the Hebrew is Mikem, okay? From you. We're going to return to that. It is your very life. That's such a beautiful line. This, 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 national narrative, our people's narrative, the Torah, this passing down after generation after generation. This is our life. This is our lifeblood. This is our Sharsharit, our our chain that we can hold on to, especially in times where we feel we are lost, either at sea or whomever where. Okay. And through it, you shall long endure on the land that you are to possess by crossing the Ardennes. So let's look at this language here of Mikem, okay? So um, our tradition has a, a beautiful response to this, basically this idea that it, it's not an empty thing from you, okay? The Midrashic explanation is essentially that there's nothing empty in the Torah, meaning nothing empty in this Shashir, this tradition passed on to us. Nothing empty here. Basically, and if you yourself as an individual, maybe even your community, do happen to have an encounter or even an ongoing experience with the Torah or tradition that feels meaningless, that feels empty, rake,
0: that essentially it is from you. It is not from the Torah or from the tradition.
1: And that it is due to your own lack of studying, of asking questions, of turning to the elders, turning to your parents, and studying it through, making it a daily spiritual discipline and practice and really holding dear life to it, right? And uh, this is quite beautiful. And if if you know anything about the Dharma and the Theravada tradition of Vipassana coming out, It teaches something very similar about awakening, which is what we call here, awakening Torah, Musar mindfulness. Awakening is considered always available to us. It's not empty. It's not something that we have to go out to the sea and try to capture or get. It's in us. It's always there and it's always available. We just need to practice and tap into it. And that's the same thing with the Torah and our encounter with it and with our ancestors. It's quite beautiful. So if we are awake to this right we say all the time awaken to the good and give thanks awaken to the good and give thanks it's one of our morning affirmations and our musar mindfulness practice when we practice ha-ka-rat, ha-to, uh, ha-to, recognizing the good right so the good here is god's good passed down to us given to us so we're not going to be like our ancestors why even if we grow fat, God forbid, right? That happens to a lot of people. They gain a lot of privilege. <laughs> but we're not going to grow fat in the sense. Where we're going to sh- go into sloth and torpor and fall asleep. No, we're going to be awake to God's good and give to others. We're going to give God's good to others and be of service to others and to God. And Bezrat Hashem, may that be so. And so that's what we're moving into right now. So how do we do this, right? We don't just say it. We don't just poof, it's going to happen this requires discipline. This requires taking refuge in community. This requires a daily practice is what we do together in our MUSAR groups here at the Institute for Holiness. You can be in touch with us off of our offerings page to see what is available, how you can begin to really join this community and begin practicing. So we do this today through a gratitude practice of mindfulness meditation together. And so I ask you to come to one of the postures that you assume for your meditation
0: practice. For me, I'm going to be sitting upright in a chair. And I want you to plant your
1: feet into the ground if you're sitting in a chair, so that you feel really held by the earth, knowing that you're taken care of, should you have any background of trauma that you can always rely and know that you're here in this moment. You're not in the trauma for any of us who are having back pain or chronic pain or issues. Feel free to assume any posture it can be standing. It can be walking meditation or lying down. If you have visions, I always say, keep the eyes open to remain awake and alert alert when you're lying down so you don't fall asleep, right? This is the practice not to fall asleep, both physically and metaphorically, right? We don't want to get caught in the hindrance of sloth and torpor. We want to be here and now and not have that fear or doubt that comes up also in the practice. And that's how we do this with the teacher and within community. So please, if you feel safe and comfortable, Close your eyes if you have vision. Otherwise, just lower your gaze or have your eyes be as comfortable as you need. And we're going to begin by bringing
0: our loving attention to our breath and to our body. Inhalation. Exhalation, letting it all out so that you can begin to arrive, to settle, to come to stillness, inhalation. You will notice for the first three, I will take a
1: deep breath through my nostrils. And out my mouth, ah, with even sound to let go of any tension that may still be there for me, for you. Allowing the breath now to settle at
0: its own natural rhythm, no need to force it or control it. Allowing yourself to simply scan what is here for you in your body and in the breath. Bringing your loving attention to any sensations in the body, any emotions, whether it would be useful to you to use mental noting of pleasant, neutral, or unpleasant. Some of you may need to bring your attention to thoughts. If there's
1: anything arising... Either calling for your attention, distracting you, can always bring a smile to your practice, knowing that you can visit these thoughts later, whether they be ruminating over something that occurred before the session or planning for something in the future. It is all ephemeral, it is all impermanent. It will arise, whether it's a thought
0: the emotion, the sensation in the body. It'll have a certain shelf life and then it passes. Passes like the waves of the sea. Every tradition begins their day with some form of gratitude for the blessings of life. Whether it be Buddhist monks, Native American elders, we Jews,
1: we say or moda ani
0: lefanecha, raba
1: I am grateful to you, God, for returning my soul,
0: giving me another day so that I may serve you and others. Some people are so into their practice for so many years, they can even
1: move to a place where they offer prayers of gratitude for
0: the suffering that they've experienced in life. Maybe that's you too. They see the ring of fire that they have gone through. The suffering awakens them to the deepest possible compassion and wisdom. the tov, the awakening to the good and giving thanks is the gracious acknowledgement to God of all that sustains us. It is a certain confidence, a certain faith, a certain trust in God and life itself that we are part of a greater pulse, the same life force. And being awakened to this good, as a daily practice, stops us from falling asleep like we're
1: told will happen to our ancestors, that they will forget God, that they will turn to idols of stone and wood. And maybe that's been your experience from time to time in your life that you've turned to idols of stone and wood, of
0: plastic, some item, some object, forgotten God, perhaps it was alcohol or drugs, whatever it may be. You are here now, you have
1: turned, you've returned. That is the and of life, not the but. The end. I fell off the path, I fell off the derech, and I am awakened to the good. I am awake to the good and I give thanks. I am here now. I have
0: remembered God. So we begin with a deep meditation, allowing these gentle
1: words to enter you. You can say them softly to yourself.
0: With gratitude, we remember our ancestors, we remember God, we remember each other, we remember the planet of the animals and the plants, all of creation, the
1: creatures of the sea and the sky and the air and the water and the fire and the earth, all that we will be reminded of again shortly soon in
0: Bereshit, in the first parsha of the book of creation, of in the beginning. From time to time, I will go silent to allow you to practice and to hear and to feel. You can trust that my voice will return and guide you. For now, your anchor can be your breath and body. Genesis. Again, quietly whisper to yourself. With gratitude, I
1: remember the care and labor thousands of generations of
0: elders and ancestors all the way up to my parents. That I will ask questions and I will listen. That I will be awake and alert. Awaken to the good and give thanks. That is our practice. We do this together in community. Gently whisper, I offer my gratitude for the safety and well-being that I have been given. I will extend safety and well-being to others. I offer my gratitude for the blessings of this earth that I have been given. I will be a blessing. I will offer God's good to all who are in need. To all those who ask me. I will give what I can. I offer my gratitude for the measure of health I have been given. I offer to strengthen the health of others. I offer the gratitude for family and friends that I've been given. I extend my hand, my heart to family and friends and community. I offer my gratitude for the teachings and lessons I've been given to my teachers. May I be a conduit of God's good. Offer the teaching to all those who want to sit and learn. I offer gratitude for the life I have been given. Hallelujah. My gratitude will strengthen the life of others. Continue to breathe gently, calmly. Bringing to mind all your
1: concentric circles of obligation, those who you love and feel safe with, those of extended family and friends and community, to those whom you are nurture, nur- neutral around, to those who there's some
0: difficulty, to those who there's great difficulty, to all beings. May we feel the natural joy that we feel when we are awakened to the good. With each breath, we offer our grateful, heartfelt wishes. May you be joyful. May your gratitude and joy increase. May you not be separated from the source of all life. May you not fall asleep in sloth and torpor and forget the divine source, the source of all life. The next minute we will hold in silence. I will ring the bells when we are to come out of our meditation.
1: gently and slowly open your eyes if they were closed. meaning us back into this shared sacred zoom space live streaming together. What a gift, the gift of technology to enable us to be together. Again, I'm Rabbi Hassi Uriel Steinbauer, founder and director of the institute for holiness we are on this path towards holiness together kihilat musar do visit excuse me our website subscribe to our newsletter consider becoming a member where we can learn and practice and grow together and we will meet god willing next sunday as i told you 1230 Eastern Standard Time for the last Torah portion of Deuteronomy of Varim in the Torah. This is the season, as always, that we give sadaka and shuma, where we give dana, we give charity and donations to the organizations that have touched us most, that mean the most to us, that help lead our lives to, to be the people we want to be, to live out our values. I know that the Institute for Holiness has been that way for some of you, and may it be that way for more and more of you in the coming year, God willing, and uh, eh, 5783. Eh, So please reach out to us at our donation page on the website, become a monthly sustaining member in Tavshin. Pei Gimel. This is our new year. Again, we covered this Parsha from October eighth, two 2022 of Yud Gimel of Tishrei the 13th. So uh, with that, again, I thank you for your practice. I look forward to being with you. And um, I think that's it for now. So I'm going to wish you farewell. Take care. Oh, and may you continue to enjoy this most festive joyful festival of Sukkot may you be with family and friends and community under the Shekhinah under the beautiful wings of the Sukkah
0: and uh, really be full of gratitude. Take care.